0: Welcome back to On the Schmooze. Thank you so much for joining me. Last week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Rachel Heller. This week, you'll be hearing from me, your host. Every other week, I'll be offering my take on some aspect of networking and relationship building. These shorter podcast episodes will include practical tips and techniques you can put into practice right away. My hope is that insights from me and my guests will help you achieve the leadership position you're seeking, build and sustain your professional network. And find the work life balance that works best for you. This week, I'll be sharing an open letter to networking event hosts. It's my hope that they'll take these tips to heart when planning their next networking event. Visit On the Schmooze to download a transcript of today's episode for your files or to print and share with a networking event host you know. I'm sure you would agree that not all networking events are created equal. Too often, it feels like the decision to have a networking event is actually the result of deciding to not hire a speaker, and that's basically the end of the discussion. So, what should you do as the convener to enhance your guest's ability to make great connections at an event? Well, let's start with lighting. Maybe I'm starting to show my age, but I really appreciate it when a room is lit well enough that I can actually see my fellow guests. Dimly lit rooms may work great when you're trying to get everyone to dance, but If the purpose of the event is for guests to talk to each other, well, adjust the dimmer switch just a little bit. And then, of course, there's the question of how loud is the music? What? Can you repeat that? Have you ever left a networking event knowing you're going to wake up hoarse and feeling like you've been singing your heart out at a concert? Being able to see and hear fellow guests is a really basic need and and one that many conveners seem to disregard in an attempt to have a more festive environment. It's important to define the purpose of the event and recognize it can't meet multiple goals and do them all well. So if it's an after party that you want at the end of the conference, then clearly communicate that. If you expect your attendees to wanna stick around, keep chatting with each other and exchange business cards, well, plan the space accordingly. Speaking of conferences, let me share a few name tag tips. The first one being that the template for name tags should be decided well in advance the day they need to be printed. This is not a task to leave to a volunteer or intern to create last minute. Here are some of the mistakes that I've, I've seen over time. The organization or conference logo and graphics takes up like two thirds of the name tag. While branding is very important, it should not impede guests' ability to interact with each other. Limit logos or graphics to at most a third of the name tag and you know, consider leaving it off altogether. There are many other ways to communicate to attendees what event they're at. And then there's the font size, which is often too small and cannot easily be read from a few feet away. Guests should be able to spot a familiar name while walking through a crowd. Font size for first and last name will likely need to be different with the emphasis being on making the first name easy to read. But what else would be helpful to include other than the guest name? Depending on the nature of the event, it may be most helpful to include city and state for a national conference, Twitter handle for a tech conference, or organization name and perhaps even staff title. This information would, of course, need to be collected as guest register. It would not be feasible or advisable to include all of this information and still make it readable. So choose what would be most helpful to your guests. One of the worst mistakes I've seen is misspelling a person's name or not using their preferred nickname. This is critically important, and when not done well, can have a very negative effect on your guest's experience. It is crucial that you ask a guest to enter on the registration form exactly how they would like their name to appear on the name tag, which may be different than how they want to appear in like a sponsor listing, for example. Ideally, the remedy for fixing an incorrect or missing name tag at an event will not involve a Sharpie. Invest in a label printer to print on-the-spot name tag corrections that will look similar to the ones printed at the office. No guest likes to be the only one with a handwritten name tag. Of course, there's Murphy's Law. Your most important guests, your major donors, keynote speaker, your sponsor, that's the person who's going to need to have their name tag corrected. So double check all speakers, sponsors, board, staff, etc. My last point under name tags is let's quit the navel gazing. Most conference participants are given a lanyard at registration. Unfortunately, a byproduct of using this easy to wear device is that it will make a name tag hang closer to one's navel than to your lapel. So during these networking lunches, everyone's name tag is actually below the table, which is not helpful at all. During the networking break in the hall, you need to look at someone's navel while shaking their hands, which you know makes it harder to bluff that you remember their name all along. One possible solution is to use magnetic name tags as the alternative when the clip pin version just doesn't work with someone's outfit. Also, have volunteers at registration who can help the attendees put their name tags on. Of course, the name tag goes on the right side, which is this part of your body that moves closer when you're shaking hands with someone, not the left side, which moves further away. You know, one of the things about having guests come in at registration and have those volunteers there is those volunteers can in some ways act as hosts. And I actually think that too often we don't have enough hosts at an event. And I don't mean host as in the person who books the space and orders the catering. The best places to meet people are warm and friendly. If regular attendees have a habit of gathering in a corner to talk to each other and only each other, well, then newcomers will not feel welcomed into the space. To counter this fairly natural effect, train your board, staff, and volunteers to be on the lookout for someone who's either a physical outlier, you know, your typical wallflower, or a demographic outlier, or someone who's older, younger, or a person of color in a mostly white space. Then, go one step further and identify a small group of regulars and invite them to help create a welcoming space by doing the same thing. Your request to them is that for that first hour, they go out of their way to meet two or three people they don't already know. Give this group of regulars a title and a special name badge to help them feel more comfortable with their new role as a host. This is a great way to get more shy and our introverted regulars to feel more engaged in the room. These regulars will also feel more engaged with the organization and the retention will improve. So it's a win-win for everybody. Sometimes you don't have any control over some aspects of your event. And and one thing that comes to mind with that is space. Sometimes the number of people who RSVP and the number that show up is wildly out of sync. If a space is too crowded, it will restrict movement and diminish the guest's experience. If it's too empty, the room will feel a bit like the beginning of a junior high school dance. Ask your host regulars to arrive 15 minutes early to be on hand to engage early arrivals who are most likely to be awkward and are nervous newcomers. As the event organizer, you are likely dealing with lots of last-minute details around AV and catering or trying to get that banner hung. You just won't be able to give your full attention to those early rivals, and if left alone, they will likely just stand around awkwardly not talking to each other. That's why it's so helpful to have your host regulars arrive a little early so they can be on hand to welcome these newcomers into the space. This small change will have a huge impact on their experience at your event. Logistically, if at all possible, set up the room so the bar is on the wall furthest from the entrance. This will naturally encourage guests to take up more of the room instead of blocking the entrance while hovering at the bar. Speaking of the bar, let's talk for a moment about catering. So if this is a cocktail event that you're having and most guests are going to be standing, it would be ideal to only provide food. that can be eaten in two bites. Serving filet mignon should be reserved for those seated events where a fork and knife could be more easily employed. Sandwiches with those large puffy buns and an inch or two of filling, well, they're not very easy to consume while chatting at a cocktail event. Since many guests will be holding a beverage, they will also feel challenged to carry a plate of food. So if you have a budget for catering, plan to have several hors d'oeuvres as well as a selection of small bite stationary platters. Well, there you have it my open letter to networking event hosts. I'm guessing, dear listener, that you thought of a pet peeve or two related to networking events that I didn't mention. Don't keep that thought to yourself. Share it in the comments on the show notes. Visit ontheschmooze.com and look for episode 12. I believe, if carefully considered and thoughtfully executed, these six areas I covered today will make navigating networking events less stressful and lead to more connections which is something that we all want. Thanks again for listening to this solo show of On The Schmooze. As a reminder, I'll have a transcript of this podcast available for download as an easy to print or save PDF in the show notes. Visit ontheschmooze.com and look for episode 12. I wanted to sincerely Thank all of you who have already subscribed and left a rating and review on iTunes. I am so excited to share that this show has received 16 reviews since we launched nine weeks ago. By subscribing and leaving a rating review on iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at iTunes.OnTheSchmooze.com. That's schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week for a longer episode where I'll be interviewing a talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they build strong professional networks on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have a fantastic week.